as a woman in sales, you know, a lot of times I walked into those rooms, the first and the only, you know, the, fir the first and the only. And so you find a way to still be yourself, but find a way to connect with everyone in a room. And no one in that room is trying to figure out a way to connect with you. They're trying to figure out a way to get you out of that room, right? So it's it was my job to find a way to connect with everyone in the room so that I could build those relationships that I needed to be successful. Hi there. Welcome to On The Flip Side, a podcast for anyone who wants to live their best sales life. We're going to be talking to buyers, sales managers, SDRs, and A's about things like, what does it take to be a great sales manager? Or how can you go home happy month after month? So let's dive right in. Hi there, you're listening to On The Flip Side with Wingman. I'm Kushal, and today's show is dedicated to all things women power. And that's why I'm so excited to learn more from our guest for today's show, Joyce Johnson. Joyce is a seven-time author, speaker, coach, and founder of the Y Sales Network, which includes training, podcasts, webinars, and other sales programs to empower the next generation of sales leaders, especially in the B2B space. Joyce, so great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Just to kick things off, you've also just launched a new book, Color Outside the Lines, Stories of Extraordinary Leadership. Tell us more about the book. Who's it for and why should they read it? You know, the book is for, for anyone who's interested in being a better leader, right? And I don't say that by a person who has a title, but just a person in a role, a person in life, right? So the, this project particularly, I'm a co-publisher on with my publisher, Darren Palmer, with Self-Publishing 30 Days. I, there's not many conversations that I have that people don't ask me about being an author. And say, then they followed up by saying, I wish I could be an author. I wish I could write a book. I wish I had the funds to write a book. You know, their book wish list. And so I decided to put this book together so that to give those individuals opportunities to not write a whole book, but a chapter in a book and become okay. an author that way and be able to experience and share their information, their knowledge and, you know, and what they've gone through in life with others. And so I was very intentional in this book with reaching out to people. I wanted it to have those that have the title of leadership. We have Steve Benson, who's a CEO of Badger Mapping, and then I wanted people who are what we call influence without authority, because I want those, I want everyone to understand that no matter where you are, wherever you sit in organization, wherever you sit in life, you can be a leader and lead others and influence others because leadership is really about influence. And if you have, and it's about using that influence the right way. So of course, I love that you talked about, that. I love that you talked about really, you know, the fact that everyone can show leadership irrespective of where they really are in life. Maybe to go back a little bit, you know, to when you started out in sales, what was it like and what do you wish for some of the things that maybe someone had told you? You know, when I started out in sales, it was interesting. My, so my first sales job out of college, I say out of college, but I really at the time was selling shoes already at a shoe department at, you know, at a major store. But I wanted that after college job, right? You know, we feel like we graduate from college. We need to get that after college job. And so I, I didn't have great resources and support in the field. And it was a field job knocking on doors, right? There was no one there really helping me along. It was commissions only. And I grew really, very fast when I really should have been killing it because it was a new product to the market that everyone has now. It was like selling alarm systems. I'm going to date myself. And so, but I didn't have a great support team and I didn't have any direction. I knew I could sell, but I didn't understand the sales process. And so that's a gap that I realized that individuals need, especially those college students. I mentor a lot of college students. I've been mentoring students for 15 years now. And I have a one of my formal interns who actually stayed in my home for a week, a couple of weeks ago. 
And every time he was selling or talking to his customer, he said, yes, Joyce, because you always told me this. And you said to smile while you're on the phone because they can hear a smile and just different things. And so one, I think individuals need that encouragement, but they really need to understand the sales process so that they can be stronger sellers. And so that's what we do at Y Sales Network. We, we teach, we give tips, we have webinars and everything to really help people understand the sales process and how to go about engaging and closing a really good deal. Joyce, we all know, you know, like you said, we've, you've been selling for a while. What challenges do you think you faced as a woman in sales? Wow. You know, many. <laughs> I don't know if we have enough time for that on the show, but, you know, m- many challenges as a, as a woman in sales. You know, I released a book early this year called Untitled No Back Doors for Me. And that book was all about the isms that I dealt with in corporate America as a woman and as a woman of color. You know, it talks about, you know, the, you know, the unjust commissions and it talks about, you know, not being received and not getting that seat at the table. And if you're at the table, not getting a voice, Right. It talked about sexual harassment. It, you know, it, it covered a lot of different things. And so as a, as a woman in sales, you know, a lot of times I walked into those rooms, the first and the only, you know, the, the first and the only. And so you find a way to still be yourself, but find a way to connect with everyone in a room. And no one in that room is trying to figure out a way to connect with you. They're trying to figure out a way to get you out of that room, Right. So it's, it was my job to find a way to connect with everyone in the room so that I could build those relationships that I needed to be successful. You know, I um, in my book, I talk about going to meet with this one customer and he had just been giving me a hard time. And when I went to his office the first time, I got it right. I went into his office. It was the wood paneling all on the walls, the great big decks, you know, the macho man desk and everything and all, all these things. And so as I walk in, and he's not even helping me get to his office. And by the way, he never told me that it was in this, this big park and that you had to park in the back and walk all the way around the front. So I'm exhausted walking around this park to get to his office. And when I walked in his office and I got to look at things on his desk and his walls and everything, and I said, okay, I get it. Right. And I'm being from the, the South. I always have a thing about me where I always say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. And so that plays to my benefit, especially with this gentleman, because when I walked into his office, I understood that he was that guy, right? That he needed, he was that macho guy, whatever that, you know, everyone, he's a big man on campus, as we say with our athletes, he was the big man on campus. So I ha- was having some hair problems with my hair and I cut my hair off, right? And uh, why well, I didn't cut off my aunt did because I was having these problems and I went to her and she's like, it's just hair. And she cuts all my hair off. And so I actually, you know, was trying to, you know, as you say, rock the look and things. I thought I was cute. You know, I, was like, I have a cute face. I, I can pull this off. <laughs> but he was being, you know, I, I noticed him being a little bit extra rude. Right. So then I got to a point I said, OK, well, I'm going to go and I'm just going to, you know, weave my hair and I'm going to, you know, what have you. So I did that. And the next time I went in to see him, he said, oh. Well, you finally bought you. I can see you finally got you some hair. Yeah, I I tell the story in the book and I say and he was a ball guy. And so totally could have lost my job because I was like, yeah, you want some? They probably have some for you, too. Nice one. (laughs) We fell out laughing. We, We both just had a really good belly laugh and it broke the ice. And we had a different relationship from that point on, right? But, you know, just many experiences. I can remember sitting in a, a, a meeting with a CFO of a major oil and gas company. And there's two of us women. And he's literally just using all these swearing words, these four-letter words. 
and just like letting us have it. And I just stood up and I said, he said, well, where are you going? No, he said, where are you you know, hell are you going? And I said, oh, I'm leaving this room. You know, I was like, I, I don't do verbal abuse, sir. You know, <laughs> not at home, not at work, not ever. And, uh, and I left and I left the room and my peer was like, oh my God, we're going to lose our jobs. What are you doing? Joyce, come back. She's running down the hall behind me. I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. I'm out of here. <laughs> and uh, he apologized to us later because his peers held him accountable. And I think that's important through this journey and everything that we're talking about now in the corporate space for women, it's important for other people to stand up and not just let things happen and to call people on the table when they do these things and to hold their peers accountable. Because if they don't, it's going to continue to happen. I love how you talked about really taking your power back, Joyce, in some way with those stories. Yes. Um, and that really just kind of ties into, you know, what I was going to ask you next, which is really how can people be better allies for women at the workplace in sales or otherwise? What can they be doing? You know, I was sharing with someone, I just had a, you know, a book launch on Saturday. I decided to you know, it's been COVID. I've met so many people during COVID that I've never met in person and we've done business together. So I invited a lot of people and some old friends, some new friends to join me for brunch while we did the book launches. So we had a nice brunch here in um, Houston. And I was sharing one of the gentlemen who came. I said, I really appreciate you coming because this is what I talk about. It's about not just being there for me or appearing to be there for me Monday through Friday, but actually engaging in my life and in my community and inviting me to engage in your life and in your community. Because you are really going to, because I think, and, and I know we all want the same things, right? We all want the same things for our children. We all want the same things for our families. Our, we're all the same. Our skin may look different, right? Our hair may look different, but at the core of who we are, you know, I may speak with my Southern slur sometimes, but at the core of who I am as a woman, I am like any other human being. And, you know, and I think it's important for people to see that and not just support each other um, Monday through Friday, but really become a strong ally and build really strong relationships because that's what has been done, right? We haven't been invited to the golf games. We haven't been invited to the picnics on the weekend. We haven't been, you know, invited, you know, many years ago to the strip club when the men went and all these other places where they would go to hide out and, you know, the the steam rooms and things. And so, and, and I also share with women, you know, on our part, you know, plan these things. And I know it's, it's sometimes it seems sexist because they'll look to us, oh, can you plan this or whatever? I always raise my hand to plan it because instead of you going on a golf course or somewhere you're not going to invite me, I'm going to plan it and we're going to be at the golf. We're going to be, I mean, we're going to be at the at either the golf, that top golf, or we're going to be at the bowling alley, right? And somewhere where I can compete because I'm not a bowl. <laughs> and, um, you know, so let's own it. You know, I, I'll, I'll plan it in a minute because, you know, for me, I know if I plan it, then I'm going to get the invite. I love that hack. I think that's probably one of the most underutilized ways. I think a lot of people will get put off by the fact that they're asked to plan something maybe and think, why am I the default planner, right? Right. But there's so much power in that. It's so much power in it and I'm going to plan it well. And, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate sometimes because some people may see it differently, right? You know, I've had like a, a senior VP I write about in my book who, because I was there, because I was cleaning after everyone and helping and things like that, he took that as, oh, I can take advantage. And it's like, no, you can't. But, you know, I believe in planning it. Use, use what we have, right? If that's all they're going to give us, use what we have. 
And also when I plant it, I plant things before and I've invited their wives or I call their wives and ask their wives information, right? To help me better in my planning. And when I plant things, it's all about the experience. So they're going to have a great experience. And that's a bonding moment in itself. So we still have to take advantage of every opportunity we have. Is, is it great to, that they all, everyone turns their head and look at the one woman in a room and it's time to plan something? No, it's not. But it's, it's not going to stop happening. Well, maybe. But until it does, hey, let's just own it. Let's take advantage of it. Just I have to ask, what does it feel like or at least what did it feel like to be the only woman in the room or the bowling alley or, you know, playing golf? What did that feel like? Right. You know, it can be feel uncomfortable, right? Because there's going to be things said that, you know, are highly inappropriate, <laughs> right? And at any venue, and some of them may be directed towards you. And, you know, but for me, I don't even know if I can say this on this podcast, but for me, like I say, as a woman, you use what you have, right? And some of the things that I would use if I know it's going to have a tough day, okay, I'm going to really be cute that day. I may have to show up in some still toast shoes and a pink hard hat, right? But underneath that, I'm going to have on my best lingerie. <laughs> and on the day when I can wear heels, I'm going to have on my heels and I'm going to have on my favorite perfume. I'm going to have on my red lipstick. You know, the red lipstick is a signature of mine. And I adapted this because I heard an interview with Lucille Ball when she said she started wearing red lipstick because she was the, she was really the boss in the room. She was the one in charge and it was threatening to the men. So she started wearing a red lipstick to be more feminine. So they would let their guards down. Right. And so after that, I went and tried on about 10 different shades of red lipstick until I found one. I've been wearing the same red lipstick for years. Wow. I love this. I think I'm going to ditch my pinks and maybe go out myself. They do say that is power, right? The power of red lipstick. Yeah. Yeah. Power of the lipstick. And it, it's to the point that if I don't have lipstick on, even now on social, people say, well, where's, the, where's your lipstick? I was about to be interviewed one day and, and I was so excited because I put on the eyeshadow and I never wear eyeshadow. And I was so excited. I'd done my own makeup and everything. And they're like, where's your red lipstick? I'm like, oh, I almost forgot. That's your signature now. Yeah. Just while we're talking about, you know, really creating these more diverse workplaces, what do you think corporates, you know, really can do better to kind of drive diversity in the workplace, whether it's for women, whether it's people from color, from color, how can we really do it better? You know, I've always been an advocate of employee resource groups. You know, I was active in employee resource groups at a couple of companies. In my last role, I was vice president of African-American business resource group. I volunteered with the women's resource group. I volunteered with the veterans. My dad and my grandfather were Marines. And, uh, and I also volunteered in the community with the Latino resource group. And I think that the resource groups are important because you, just because they are African-American or women or whatever, you can still join all of them, right? Like the military resource group, just so they so embraced me, right? You know why? Because I have them plan a great event. <laughs> you got to take your, your strengths. And, but I also use that platform to be able to really talk about inclusion and to help people identify how we are different, right? I, I, in one of my, the things that we did, I went out and interviewed the, the, the white female, the black male, the Latino male, the LGBTQ community, the veteran. I interviewed all these different groups and then I wrote skits about them. I wrote like poetry and I had in the Vietnamese community and I had someone go and recite these poems 
And the reason for that was, and they're, they're all in the, my book, No Back Doors for Me. They're in the back chapters of that book. But I did that because I wanted everyone to understand that every group felt that like they weren't included. And I wanted everyone to understand why they felt that way, right? And the platform of being with the employee resource groups allowed me and us and my peers to be able to do just that and to help people really, you know, when you have a Latino resource group or an Asian or, or what have you, whatever it is, women's, it gives us the understanding, okay, we're well, here's the holiday that we celebrate and this is why we celebrate this. It allows everyone to receive the education of different cultures and to embrace different cultures and different people while still understanding at our core, we are the same. I think that's an incredibly useful sort of tip for really people to share more about their cultures while sort of, you know, staying true to who they are really, but making it easy for everyone to understand and making it a safe space really for everyone to ask questions right. and understand more about other cultures as well. Um, Absolutely. And when all the different cultures or groups or whoever have their events, I would go. It's a learning experience, right? So now you get to learn a little bit more and, and be more versed, especially, you know, here um, in the U.S. Because, you know, so there's a bigger culture, there's a U.S. culture, but there's also culture if you are grew up in a small form. I grew up on, a, on an island, a small island, 45 miles south of Houston. You know, you could sit that island in Houston multiple times. So Houston's like the big city for me. My, my siblings and I, although we live in large cities, we all live in very small areas of those cities. And we all live in areas where we can walk wherever we want to go because when we grew up on an island, we could walk anywhere we wanted to go, right? So that's a culture in itself. And then when you look at the U.S. culture and you have our peers from different countries and different groups and things, you know, we don't understand different cultures and different holidays and why people are out and things like that. And we need to be respectful of that. And the only way to be respectful of it is to actually know that it's happening be educated on why it's happening and then engage. I always say inform, educate, and engage. So inform us that it's happening, educate us why, then engage us in the party so that we could all have a you know a good time and a good understanding of why we're celebrating. And if they're lucky, you'll be planning the party. And if they're lucky, I'll be planning the party because I love to plan a good party. <laughs> Just to dive back a little bit to what you spoke about earlier around mentorship really and you know the importance of it. So a lot of us are looking for mentorship for really different parts um, of our jobs, of our lives. What's maybe your advice for people who are seeking mentorship? How can they make it a beneficial sort of relationship for both the parties involved? You know, first of all, just always be prepared, right? Be prepared on what you're going to talk about with that person, right? Be prepared, be intentional and be prepared. So be prepared on what you're going to speak with that person about, but also know your audience, right? I've had many conversations lately about knowing your audience, understand who that person is and what they need, right? understand their background, and then always ask, how can I help you? How is there any way I can support you? If you know, like for instance, me, if you know that I, I'll share with you that people that I've mentored in corporate, I, if whatever organization I was in internally and externally, they engaged in those organizations, the, the good, you know, and, and that helped me, right? So I'm okay. I'll give you everything with me. And now you're spending more time with me because not only are you in the BRG and corporate that I'm in, but you also, you've joined the sales organization that I'm participating in outside of corporate, right? If I did, you know, I remember the uh, doing a breast cancer awareness event. My mother's a breast cancer survivor. And every person nearly that I had mentored or what have you engaged in that program. I think that's really what the power of mentorship and community 
I think that's really yeah, important. Um, you know, yes, absolutely. Just don't look at it for as what that person can give to you. You're going to get more out of that person if you engage in what that person is doing and what, what's important to them and their needs and how, how they respond to community. Love that, Joyce. I think that's uh, super useful, really, for anyone who's looking for uh, mentorship. Joyce, this has been an incredible conversation. It's taken me closer towards maybe one of my last questions which is really around what's the number one impact that you want to drive on the world? You know, I want, so I'm a sales advocate, I say, a sales champion. And that's because I really believe that in in everything that I have, I believe that sales is one of the best professions out there because it creates opportunity for everyone. No matter what your background is, your education, your training, you know, there's vertical markets, there's, you know, there's just, it creates an opportunity for everyone to be able to earn a great living. It provides access for people. You know, when you're getting ready to go on the company, even if you are a pre-med and you want to get into this big pharmaceutical company or something, if you go into sales, it gives you an opportunity to know about how the company is run. You learn about marketing, you learn about operations, supply chain, you know, and so I want to be able to continue to educate the masses on sales. I want people to get to work. More jobs out there that are listed for sales roles than any other job out there. They may be undisguised. They may say business development, (laughs) right? They may say business development, community liaison, customer service, what have you. But there are sales jobs. And I want um, people to just get really good training so that they can be prepared and they can be confident in what they do. And I also want people to feel included. I don't want them to feel the way that I are. To, it, I didn't really feel that way all the time, but it it was what it was. And I didn't. I don't want them to experience the things that I experienced in 30 years of my career. In my last book, I say, um, I have a chapter. It says, my wish for little black girls, because I'm talking to my nieces. And I say to my nieces in that book, if for some reason you check all the boxes and you're still not accepted, then I want you to walk away and build your own table so that you can show them what inclusion really looks like. And I want that for the world. I pray often for women in different countries who are, especially Washington countries, where all they want is to get a good meal for their kids. They're afraid to leave home to go feed their kids because they may not make it back, but they're afraid not to feed their kids. And that's why that's whether you're in corporate or wherever, we as you know, as a human race, global human race have to be more aware and just care more about each other. I think that's a great wish and a great vision um, for the world, Joyce. And you're obviously already working towards that, which is incredible. Thank you so much, Joyce. It's been incredible having you on the flip side with me. Thank you. I so appreciate being here and, you know, any, anytime, you know, and, and, and for you women out there, it's Women Sales Month. Go find you a sales job. Go be empowered. Go empower others. We are needed in sales. There's room for you in sales. Don't think you have to check all the boxes because you already do. Great stuff, Joyce. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Thanks so much, Joyce. Thank you.